All right, we are in the throes of Lent. Here we are. Yeah, how's the first week of Lent going? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, S- uh, satisfactorily penitential. I don't really know what the good. appropriate <laughs> uh, <laughs> approval of. How such do you a know thing. you're? Having, <laughs> how do you know you're having a good Lent? That's like a good good conversation. Yeah. Um, did you get a chance to preach on the first Sunday? I did. Yeah, I preach every Sunday, David. Oh, uh, you're a priest. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I thought it went okay. I focused a lot on um, man. When was that? Two days ago. <laughs> what did I preach on? I can't. The even readings, remember. probably. It was the readings. It was the temptations. temptations. The temp- that's right. I focused more on how um, kind of what we were talking about. How Jesus facing those temptations. And understanding them for what they are, which is kind of powerless. Um, if you just trust in God, <laughs> like Adam mm. and Eve didn't. Um, yeah, yeah. So kind of focused on that. Good. I thought it went well. I mean, it was, yeah, I don't know. I hope this doesn't become kind of like our struggles with Advent, um, mm. where where it gets kind of not old, but like, well, yeah, I, I'm finding a little bit that, like, even with this upcoming Sunday's readings, I'm finding it's going to be a little bit tough to not be repetitive. Like, yeah, I, that's the thing. That's the thing. I've had I've had a hard time. Well, I love this, but I have, I get worried about my parishioners because I am kind of on this Sermon on the Mount kick. Yeah. Like, I'm on this big, because <laughs> we've had Matthew for a couple of weeks. We're in year A, after all. And we've had a lot around the Sermon on the Mount. And it just, it coincided that... The reading on Ash Wednesday, and then also the temptations were from Matthew's gospel. Right. And so I've been on this whole Matthew kick and this whole thing about Jesus being the new Moses. And and I love that theme. And it's actually going to play out this week when we talk about the transfiguration again. But I just kind of feel like I'm going to become a little bit of a broken record with, it's like, well, there's Deacon David again <laughs> talking about yeah. Jesus, the new Moses. You know? I So the way that I rationalize that, for my own situation is realizing that I only preach to particular communities every other week. So like huh. the people that go, cause you know how people are, they only go to their, their own mass. So I only, oh, I, I only preach to the 10 o'clock every other week. I only preach to the, okay. to the five thirty vigil mass every other week. So in gotcha. a sense I am on kind of a two week cycle. So I can kind of be beyond this, this same theme Mm-hmm. knowing that the pastor's in there as to kind of break it up. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? It's, it's kind good. of weird. No, it does. <laughs> it does. It happens to me just because I'm not on a regular schedule sure. for preaching just because I'm the deacon. Um, and actually, it's been weird because I preached in the last eight days, I preached at four different congregations Oh yeah. in four completely different places. So I preached one mass on a Sunday in one place, and I preached last Wednesday at the university. Then I preached two different parishes this weekend, yeah. which is kind of cool. But, and so I, I feel kind of justified in repeating myself a lot, but I, it makes it kind of tough for myself to feel comfortable knowing that like, I'm kind of reading yeah. what I preached on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. I did that two weeks ago. Uh, I had three masses on Sunday in three different churches. Mm. That was weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you can just, re- you can repeat yourself, which kind of feels like cheating, but it's it's not because, well, for one, the people are different, but for two, 
I, I had this conversation with a priest recently that he said something really great. He said, you know, I used to be nervous to preach, but then I realized if it's true, I shouldn't really be afraid. <laughs> and so mm, there it is, you know, and I think there's something good there uh, to be said of like, well, if what we're saying is good and if it's true and it's the gospel, who cares how often we repeat it? You know, I mean, yeah. The gospel is the same yesterday, today, and always, yeah. you know? And I also, so I find a lot of comfort in that as well, knowing that it's my job not to tell people what to think, but to break open the word. Like, that's it, mm. you know? Yeah. There's truth, yeah. there's challenge, all that's in there, but the goal is to break open the word. Yeah, and I would say maybe just to dovetail off that, I think that it should pacify some of the, like, mental burden of trying to cover everything in the readings. Yeah, because we want to be like, clever. Look, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's a that's a that's a trick, you know. Yeah. The that's we're we're being tempted away from just good preaching by trying to do it all. And right. It's like no, that's about me and not about yeah. God. Um, no good. So we we are in the throes of Lent now. We're in the first week as we record this, and so this upcoming Sunday we got the second Sunday of Lent, and we talked about this last week. But I I'm struck right off the bat that we are moving through Genesis now to Abram uh-huh. um, and the call, the call of Abram. And so I think we talked about this last week, that there's going to be this long series of Old Testament readings that will culminate on the Easter Vigil with Salvation History. So I I don't know. I don't really have a lot to say about Genesis this week, but I I just noticed we're on the next tick. Right? We went from <laughs> Abraham. We went from Adam and – yeah, we went from Adam and Eve, and now we're at the big covenantal moment, you know. Yeah, with, yeah with Abram. Um, yeah. So that stood out to me. I, I think my biggest concern for this upcoming Sunday is going to be the transfiguration. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what about you? Do you have any well, first initial thoughts? Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of, and especially since we are in year a, we're going to get the scrutiny readings, which are water, which are light. And what's the third one? Wait, so the scrutiny readings are not every year? No, no. They're only the cycle A readings. But when you do the scrutinies, you're to have oh, the I scrutiny readings. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So, yeah, we have the scrutiny readings, which is the woman at the well, the man born blind, and Lazarus, the, uh, I think. And Lazarus, yeah. Yeah, so water, light, and new life. New life, yeah, resurrection. So I'm wondering how the transfiguration, in a well, maybe in a sense sets the stage for that because those themes are kind of laid out for us fortunately for ne- the next three weeks mm. but this one is i mean there's some of that in there's some of that in this reading i mean you've got you've sure, got the light sure. um you've got the resurrection in the sense that jesus is coming to fulfill the law he's coming as the fullness of the prophecy of the prophet um mm-hmm. and we're we're getting a foretaste of his um of his resurrected uh, uh, body, his true form. Right. So we are getting kind right. of um, a sense of that. So I don't know if it's if it's good taste to kind of give a um, like a preface <laughs> to the next yeah, couple a of preamble. weeks. Yeah. yeah. In antici- anticipation. Anticipation. Of the yeah, weeks. that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, I think you can. At that point, I think you're kind of preaching the season and sort of the cycle of readings. Yeah, um, but it is which the is readings. Good, and they're, Mm-hmm. Right. So just like you have the sequence of Old Testament readings that are cataloging salvation history from Sunday one to Sunday five, 
So too in the Gospels, it seems like you have this sequencing now where there's a catechesis towards baptism. Uh-huh. And that's what, this, that's what the scrutiny readings do, I think, is that there's a catechesis right. on what baptism right, is. Right, right, right. And, and I, I think it's perfectly legitimate to take the transfiguration reading and try to anticipate a, catechis, a catechesis on baptism. Well, and I think um, there's also a way of bringing in the figure of Peter from the transfiguration, as well as um, uh, looking at that in the light of, of, of the second letter of Timothy, where he says, bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes mm-hmm. from God. So looking at how do we respond, I think is it could be a good way to, to look at that. Because Peter wants to do something, he just doesn't know how to do it well. He wants to build these tents, right. and Jesus is saying, no, stop, you're an idiot. Um, mm. And here's mm-hmm. here's mm-hmm. Timothy saying, okay, well, you've, you do have to do something. You're going to bear your hardship. Um, not according to our works, mm-hmm. he saved us, but according to his own design. You know, so I, I don't know. That's still kind of a fresh thought. I'm not quite sure what to go, how to go with that. But Actually, actually, I'm actually really glad that you mentioned that because I think, so what I circled on that letter to Timothy was that phrase, bear your share of hardship. But what I found striking about that is the phrasing. It's bear your share. So yeah. we, like if you put the emphasis on that, it's like we have a share in the hardship of the gospel. So... Each of us has, like Paul will say it in Colossians, you know, that we are making up what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ. So there's there's something important not only about us participating in the work of the church because it's nice to, but there's a need to. Like we have a responsibility to bear our share. Mm-hmm. Like, like you put that on the inverse and say, what does it mean to not bear your share? It's like, well, the structure of the church rests upon the living stones, you know, and so... If the living stones of the church are not holding up their load of the gospel, then the whole building is sort of weakened, you know? And yeah. and there, there's something to be said there about how in baptism we become living stones in the body of Christ. And so as baptized Christians, we need to bear our share. You can connect baptism there too with the missioning right, exactly. aspect of yeah, yeah, being yeah. members of the body. Um, and we're leading up to the baptism on Easter Vigil. So those who are going to be brought in to the church, well, there's part of the load that they're going to have to bear as well, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, and you know, that's interesting. That reminds me of the readings for, for today, um, Tuesday after the first um, Sunday of, of Lent, about Jesus telling his, and giving them the Our Father, saying, don't babble like the pagans do. And then he gives them the Our Father. Uh, I was really struck by, unfortunately, after I preached this morning, how even sometimes saying the Our Father and saying some of these prayers can be just as bad as babbling on incoherently. If you're saying something without meaning it, without understanding what you're saying, if it's just become so rote and so routine that it doesn't cut you to the bone, like that's right, right. That's that's right. something there too. And I think, yeah, that there's this way in which bearing the hardships is getting rid of the babbling, getting rid of, you know, the the complacency, the comfort. Um, mm, and that's yeah. kind of what Peter's well, wanting to do. Let's make a nice place for uh, these people to stay. It's like, well, no, we don't right. need to be comfortable right now. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which ties also you into know, Lent. What? Now, okay, so I'm going to push back here on your interpretation of Peter. Tell me. Um, I think that Peter gets a bad rap here. Oh, so, he always does. <laughs> well, so I think what Peter... What people interpret Peter is doing here, and I'm not a biblical scholar, so I don't really know, but what people interpret Peter is doing here is being complacent and saying, 
this is so nice, Jesus, let's stay here. You know, that sort of mountaintop yeah. experience, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. yeah. I think actually that's a misreading of this. I think the, the reading of this is the, um, based on the word tent. So the word tent in the Old Testament is the tabernacle of Moses. So when he means setting up the tent, I think we're supposed to get an allusion to the Old Covenant. Sure. So I think what, what Peter is trying to do here and why Jesus corrects him, maybe this is my controversial reading of this, is that Peter wants to worship according to the old hmm. law. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, no, something new is happening here that don't be complacent, not just in wanting to stay here, but wanting to worship according to the Mosaic law. Mm -hmm. I'm the new Moses. I'm the new Elijah. You need to worship according to to me. And I'm the temple, right? That's what he's going to say when he comes down the mountain. He's going to say, I'm the temple. Um, So don't set up a new tent. Don't worship according to the temple of Jerusalem. I'm the temple. I'm the new Moses. I'm the new Elijah. Anyway, it's just the provocative nature of the resurrection that the temple of Jerusalem is no longer the house of God for Mm -hmm. the new covenant, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I wonder if there's something there as well with us feeling the need to build the temple rather than Jesus mm -hmm. saying, I am the temple. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Now, go go further, go further. So I think that there could be something really provocative in a homily that focuses on the word tent and connects it to the tabernacle and to the temple and noticing, yes, that Jesus fulfills the old law with Moses and Elijah there, but also saying that Jesus says that they need to go down the mountain, right? So we need to go back to work because in the world, right? So there's a, there's a missioning here too of Absolutely. where are we... Where are we to worship God? It's not in the temple, the, the the temple of Jerusalem, but it's in the world. So here you have again the bearing your share of the load. The Christian is called to worship God in the world mm-hmm. and not just because the world was made to be a temple. So anyway, I just well, think there's something provocative here about what the resurrection can imply for sort of restoring the cosmic order of worship. Yeah, there's an interesting um, idea of liturgical worship and kind of, you know, if we take that phrase, the source and summit, um, like this is the holiest thing that we do, the holy of holies, if you will. And the tabernacle is at the very heart of that, um, the new new ark. Um, But like, where does the word mass come from? It's go <laughs> be sent yeah yeah, yeah. and so yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. wonderful there there really is a wonderful dialogue that goes from our experience of going up the mountain to then jesus telling us commanding us to go down into the world but not just to stay there good as it is and it good as god called it after he created it but there's an evangelization that has to happen there that calls people yeah. out of that culture to go back up the mountain, to go back up to that worship. Um, right. Yeah, no, I like that. And, and I think this dimension is helpful because it can get me out of the funk of repeating my typical thing of like, you know, this whole thing is about Jesus. The, the Lenten thing is about Jesus and Jesus is the new Moses and getting very theological, very heady, very sort of you know allegorical and all that with the scriptures which is great but then it starts losing the moral dimension where the so what the so what is the what is this yeah matter? yeah because I, I i can get really excited about mm-hmm. like oh the connections within scripture and how beautiful it is and what does this teach us about who jesus is yeah um 
countless but countless theological you're... papers written on the transfiguration. That's not what the people yeah, of God want but... or need. <laughs> there you go. And I, and I appreciate you drawing my attention to Second Timothy because that's exactly where I think the the moral dimension comes in. Bear your share. Yeah. Right. And I think the rise and do not be afraid, go down the mountain and continue the work of building the kingdom like that dimension at the end of the transfiguration, I think is a helpful thing to draw as a close to a homily is that he, th- this is who Jesus is. And this is what Jesus is commanding them to do and correcting their understanding of what it means to worship God, mm-hmm. to worship God no longer means offering sacrifice in Jerusalem. It means getting, getting off your butt, going down the mountain and preaching the kingdom. And that's, that's what the resurrection begins for us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And again, what a wonderful way to begin. I mean, we're in the second week, I guess, but we're still kind of in the beginning of Lent. Like that's our, that's the, um, that's again, that's that experience for the catechumen, for those coming into the church. They need to have that, that theophany where they're, where they're, where they're knocked down and have that experience of God. And then what do you do with that? Yeah. Like that's the, that's the, what do you, yeah. that's the important part. I got to say like without, without the, so what, without the, what are you going to, what does this make you do? Where does it make you go? Like the, it can just become a lecture, like a theology lecture where we just get really excited about the scriptural nuances. <laughs> yeah. You know, but the moral compelling piece I think is, is really important mm-hmm. for, for Lent. Um, or for any homily, for that matter. Well, and the psalm kind um, of reflects that as well. As well, Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. It's hard yeah. to do that <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. we want to be the ones to do things. Yeah, but it's yeah. it's God at work in us through us. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, how, how, so if I were to preach this on Sunday, which I actually I think I'm going to get a chance <laughs> to, uh, I'm trying to think about. I really like this, you know, Jesus is the fulfillment of the old law. Uh, Jesus is challenging temple worship and is encouraging, you know, the bearing of the load or the preaching the gospel, et cetera, in the world. How is this, how is this a Lenten homily? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> what makes this, yeah. you know? Well, maybe uh, part of the people's penance is to listen to a theological homily. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, so I, I have a proposal. I, one thing I'm thinking about that you made me think about was um, how does this connect to preparing the way for baptism? So part, part of the mission, of course, coming down from the mountain is to baptize all nations. Okay, that's good. But the other thing I was going to think about is at least in Mark's gospel, one thing that I really love um, is that the only time that that phrase, this is my beloved son, uh-huh. is used. is It's used three times. Yeah. And it's used three times to connect three events. Uh, the baptism, the transfiguration, and the crucifixion. And so in Mark's gospel, this phrase ties all three of those events together, that the baptism and the cross go together, but so does the transfiguration, Mm -hmm. which is a foretaste of the the resurrection. So whenever Mark uses that phrase, he's saying to, to be the son of God means to be baptized into his death and to be risen and transfigured into his resurrection. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so there might be a way there to connect the Paschal mystery yeah. to this gospel. Well, I think that could go back to the themes for the for the scrutinies. Um, even though those aren't the readings for those particular days, those are still kind of the themes mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that Jesus is touching each part of our life. Um, the way that we see, mm-hmm. the way that we the way that we um, live, and the way that we're reborn. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, good. Good, good, good. Well, there's a lot here, man. Um, any uh, final thoughts for this week? Um, well, I guess the same old usual. go pray. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. All right. Well, I look forward to hearing from you next week. All right. See ya. All right, dude. Peace.